Hello and welcome to the 250, your fortnightly podcast. Look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, trying different intonations of the familiar intro phrase. And joining me, as always, my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? like the first time. <laughs> um, uh, Darren, wow. I'm, 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 I'm very good. I mean, <laughs> how many podcasts, 350-odd episodes in? could come up with a new intonation that doesn't make any sense yeah yeah no it's great um i'm i'm doing very well darren how are you i'm i'm doing pretty well i'm, I'm kind of very interested to talk about what we're talking about this week which you, is the you fed uh, me by the way thank I, you I, very much i did feed you that is why we are starting late with apologies to our fantastic guest the wonderful shiva mcquinn how are you shiva Oh, I'm excellent. And as I said in my message to you, I got to get my washing up done since you were running late. So, I mean, I'm thriving Amazing. right now. Yeah. I'm ahead. Yeah. I'm doing great. <laughs> the, it's like the second best thing of, of, of someone cancelling. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 we don't have to start yeah. now. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I can prolong it a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking about uh, Amelie, which is obviously Jean-Pierre. The quirkiest Pierre. girl in France. The quirkiest girl in France. <laughs> I, I get a sense that maybe a large part of where this conversation eventually goes. Um, oh my but God. basically, when I reached out and asked, like, what would you like to talk about on the list? I gave you a list of the films we hadn't covered already. And you got back with a couple of them. And obviously we talked about The Sound of Music last time. But what was it about Amelie that was like... Amelie, the quirkiest girl in France, is the <laughs> film I want to talk about. That is the subtitle, I believe, in international markets. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what gets people in. That's what draws people in. She was a, like, she's a trailblazer. She started it all, um, I think. Well, she does predate the manic, dreamy, pic, the manic, the manic dreamy, dreamy pixie girl, girl. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. Like, yeah. Which is definitely a phrase. <laughs> Um, that's so kooky darren that's so kooky <laughs> that you kind of mix that up a little bit <laughs> was yeah, that I, I, well that's because i am a manic uh dream pixie podcast host. oh my god new name I, I know right there and don't worry in about five years i'll write an article ex- explaining why i was wrong to coin the term of course and why i regret adding it to the cultural dialogue yeah. now everyone's like you <laughs> <laughs> um but shiva um, what what was it about Amelie that was like when you saw that you're like that's a film I want to talk about I mean it's so funny because I feel like I've done a little bit of a 180 on it since that time like um, so I know to that to be clear this was a year ago <laughs> If even. It's okay. been a it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy. Year. I don't know. The last time I watched this before, like today, was during the pandemic. It was like like deep lockdown. I watched it and I was just like, this movie is beautiful. And like I was just like, it was so dreamy to me. And like, and my letterbox review is like so so sugary sweet and romantic. And like I I just I don't know. I adored it so much. And not that I don't like it now, but I think um. I think it's lost a little bit of its flair for me. I really, from the get-go, I was like, oh, this is a real movie I love or hate. Like, it's not, there's no in-between with this film. It really goes hard for the entire time. And if you're not on board with what it's serving, you're going to be sick. That's what I say. Yeah, I I would put my hands up and say that I was kind of dreading this conversation. (laughs) Because I think it's it's been a recurring joke on this podcast that a couple of years ago I made a passing remark about this movie. Um, so that when it was like, okay, Shiva really loves this movie, he's going to come on and talk about it. I was very worried that I would seem like the bad cop. We're going to fight. 
<laughs> yep. That's it. Let them fight, yeah. uh, as Andrew said. But so, so you and and you coming back to it there and have discovered that you were clearly mistaken. I, yeah, I did a complete one eighty myself on rewatch oh my this time God. around. <laughs> it, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> it's perfect. Beautiful movie. Um, now, to be fair, I don't think I was on Julie. We were talking, I believe it was in the context of Cinema Paradiso. Cinema Paradiso, yeah. Mm. Yes. And you're like, it stinks. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is a verbatim quote. That is exactly <laughs> what I said on that episode. That's completely fair. Completely fair. That no is more notes. not at all a misrepresentation <laughs> of what I said or argued, nor a distillation or a reduction down. Uh, I think I talked about it in the context of what, like, what Peter Bradshaw, the most lovable non-curmogeny film critic in film criticism, described as... <laughs> the postcard art house films that emerged from Miramax uh, in the wake of Cinema Paradiso, okay. where they had this rake of films, including, say, Life is Beautiful, El Postino, uh, Chocolat, for example, and obviously this, where they'd take a European movie and they'd release it into the American market and it would perform like gangbusters, becoming these like folksy, whimsical, as you said, quirkiest movies in mm. the video store. Yeah, um, who, who could nay say that? Who who could possibly nay say that? And yeah, I think that was the context in which I made a single aside about Amelie that has apparently haunted me since this podcast began. But so the, when you saw it in the height of lockdown, was that your first time watching it? It wasn't. It was the first time in years, I think. And um, yeah, I can't remember my first time seeing it. Um, but I did just, I... I really loved it. I think I took it very sincerely. Like watching it back this time, I was kind of like, oh, this is just, like, it's it's kind of a an outright comedy in my opinion. Like it's it's like, it's taking the piss out of itself the entire time, I think. Um, like it knows how quirky it's being. It's not like, this is the reality for the French people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very representative of Paris, of Montmartre of course, specifically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like cinema, cinema verite, uh, naturalism. Through They're all through. in a green hue at all times. Yeah, it is shot like the Matrix. And they live in a bottle of absinthe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, it's which crazy. Which is an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, but Andrew, had you seen um, Amelie before we talked about it for this episode? I had, I had. I, I have... Um, I had kind of a, a deep affection for this movie and um, soundtrack and for kind of, you know, that part of my life. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. When did you see it first? When is that, that part of your life? I would have been in my late teens, kind of, okay. you know, fin- finishing And what, what school, did Teen Andrew like college. and dislike? Pardon? What, what did Teen Andrew like and dislike? What did I like? The and sound dislike? of running water, or the. I think my favorite movie at that time was, if I'm not mistaken, at least around some at some point in the two, early two thousands. I think I decided the mission was my favorite movie. You know, it's best known for the Ennio Morricone score. Yeah, it's oh, Ro- yeah, no, Roland, we've talked Roland about this, yeah, Jeremy Irons, Robert De Niro. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So did they, I, 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 I guess, um, not especially cynical, but like what, 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 um, person that age is, especially, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. Like it's a romantic time, right? And yeah. there was so, something kind of like beautiful and kind of, um, I, I, I'd hesitate to say childish in case that comes off pejorative because I still like this movie. 
um, a, a, a lot. And I, I was grateful for the chance of, of, re-watching. of what, rewatching again. But I, I, I think um, it's, it's kind of reminding people of the, I guess, the, the whimsical charm of the world as it seems to a child, I guess, or if if that makes sense and that there's something kind of um that 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 that, that there are ways of experiencing the world that we can kind of um lose um as we get older yeah like i think uh, by the way i think there are worse versions of this movie yes like mm-hmm. there there um i think i i was really looking forward to i think it was the science of sleep the michel gondry <laughs> A movie with Gael Garcia Bernal. Um, that is a worse version of this movie, is the yeah. Audience. No, it was very bad. <laughs> and um, but it, it had like some of the same elements, like somebody who's kind of you know refusing to grow up, who who lives in this kind of uh, whimsical kind of dreamland, um, and but, but yeah, but it wasn't like uh, nearly as charming, I guess. Mm-hmm. I. I think yeah, this is a move, an interesting kind of movie to to put. It just... depends if you're charmed by it, I suppose. That's the yeah. the, the, the that's the kind of test. It's like do do you do you have a soul or <laughs> are you a, are you a robot that generates movie opinions? Which is like your 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 one line summary of me that has stayed with me. <laughs> oh, I guess it is that thing though as well. Like um, if you're a teenager and feeling like maybe like a little bit of an oddball or kind of incapable of having like good social interactions like Amelie really kind of speaks to that kind of person as well or like I think I definitely was like oh my god she's me like like also not being like that at all but like just kind of towards the end I think I won't go into too spoilery territory yet but like she does have like a little bit of humanness that she's kind of struggling herself um, I think that's like somewhat relatable if you're kind of going through that yourself. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that there, there is something kind of, um, I think it's, it, you could eat, I, I think you could probably connect to this when you're in your early teens quite well as, as, as well, because it's at, it's at the point where if you are considered a little, little bit odd, suddenly, uh, you you maybe start to kind of find your tribe, yeah. And you start to appreciate it as opposed to when you're younger and it's a sense of ostracism. Exactly, you, you kind of grow into your weirdness or quirkiness or eccentricity. Yeah, it's like I I I remember being like twelve or thirteen and thinking kind of you know I will be a priest probably because you know they get to study like philosophy and theology and stuff and also i'm never going to have a girlfriend <laughs> like that I, 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 oh my god you're like martin scorsese yeah, yeah or they, francis ford coppola or like, <laughs> yeah it's like no all no, the great no. filmmakers and film podcasters so. it, yeah exactly no girl's ever gonna like me so i could just be a priest and then i would have like it wouldn't matter yeah <laughs> Then I wouldn't feel bad oh about it. <laughs> yeah. I can make it out like it was my the choice. choice. I made. Yeah. It was my choice, yeah. not theirs. It's my choice. It's a vow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think 
we've talked about this before and like the thing about the list that we talk about ostensibly on this podcast which only comes up once every five or six episodes (laughs) um but the the imdb list is like the perfect list for a 12 year old in 1999 which is kind of like the mindset of what it is and like what was happening in the WWE? <laughs> okay, okay, Andrew. World Wrestling Federation. This movie wasn't released in 1999. Don't ninety-seven uh, or eight? No, no, no. Uh, two thousand one. It's it's technically a period piece. Oh, it takes place during 1997. Of course. Um, but it it was released in two thousand and one, which we will talk about in a that moment. Makes perfect the... sense. Why would I have thought that this was like a nineteen ninety-seven <laughs> movie, in spite of it being a period piece? I know when I watched it, and oh god, they just they, they adapted major plot points in real time. <laughs> it wasn't meant to like. That moment yeah. of realization she had, they were like, we can't crack it in the script. And then they turned on the news and they're like, yeah, yeah. the huge part well, of the movie. They, <laughs> like, well, like they had this movie and they were really happy with it. And then Princess Diana died and they were like, oh, God, that's going to feel we weird this? now yeah, in can, the movie. Can that, we release this movie? She died. It's yeah. it, it's, eer- it's eerie. <laughs> um, but OK. OK. Um, but yes. So like. Again, I think this is the list is generally like the perfect list of movies when you are 12 year olds in 1999, which means you're 14 in 2001 when this movie is released. <laughs> like this movie gets to number 10. This at one stage on the IMDb 250 was the 10th best movie of all time. Now it has fallen significantly since then. It's now number 102. What was it recently? Was it like? Uh, there was a few recently, weren't there? There was like, was it Infinity War or something? Was yeah, like... yeah, Amelie is exactly like Infinity War, <laughs> Endgame, and mm. Spider-Man No Way Home. All movies that burst into the top <laughs> ten on initial release yeah. and then drifted down slowly. Exactly the same movie. Culture hasn't really changed <laughs> at all, has it? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, but like, we couldn't have had those movies without Amelie. Yeah. You know, it's a direct line. <laughs> I mean... I, I, I do think the Russo brothers were very sad that they had to cut Audrey Tateau's cameo when Captain America opens <laughs> all of the portals. Um, but <laughs> this is a game we normally play on here, but I feel like this is probably a bit mean-spirited. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar Andrew uh, is with the filmography of Jean-Pierre Junet. Oh, I know some. Okay, yeah, all right, let's the, do this then. Um, I, 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 I looked up, I, I I did click on his name and a number of movies came up. One of them I knew and that that I'm like more, more fond of than some people. And which we will probably cover on this podcast at some point because it is our destiny. Um, <laughs> but okay, so four Jean-Pierre Junet movies have appeared on the IMDb 250 wow. since its inception. Oh my so gosh. Andrew likes to get a little bit competitive on here. So Shiva, feel free to opt out if you want. But let's have a game. Let's see if we can guess which of his four movies have been on the list. So, okay. Shiva, I'm going to let you go first, and there's a very obvious one you can pick in that it is the movie we were talking about, <laughs> but if you want to take a swing for the fences, <laughs> feel free to do so. Uh, you know, I actually, I, I think I clicked on his name as well and went, none of my business. <laughs> just didn't register any of the other films. Okay. So I'm going to go for Amelie. Shockingly, <laughs> that is the correct answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. So All right, much. Andrew. The ball is in your court. How, how many in total? Four. Four in total. Wow. Well, it's hard to miss, isn't it? The, um, <laughs> how, it I, love, I love that you're like, he, how many films could he possibly have made? <laughs> yeah, not that many, right? <laughs> um, like, as in, like, I, th- I think the, the ones that came up, <laughs> like, immediately. So I'm going to say Alien Resurrection. No, that is a miss. 
What? Yeah. Alien Resurrection was shockingly never on the IMDb 250. <laughs> Shiva, balls back in your course. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would literally, I could be naming any movie could, in the world. <laughs> okay. Okay, let her name any movie in the world. I'm wait, still did, in like, this. Did, did, he do, did he do Delicatessen? Yes, he did. Shiva somehow scored, pulled ahead oh, that's... with a solid two points to Andrew's nil. Nil. Andrew, oh, shit. is all the play. Very long engagement. <laughs> okay, we've got we got two one. Andrew, Andrew is back ah, in the game. Yes. Okay. Okay. So okay. Shiva, this is all to play for. No. Mm. Oh. <laughs> so there's another one. Where does this rank in like the popularity of his films? If you like... are a young boy, you probably know this movie. If you are a young boy at the turn of the millennium, is there? It's very gnarly and it looks cool, and it stars Ron Perlman. What and the it fuck is, not is Alien this? Resurrection. <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? Okay, I don't know. This. All the clues. I, don't know this. I still don't know it, despite oh, all the clues. Okay, fine. But I gave you, Mister Policeman. I gave you all the clues, Andrew. I don't know the answer either. Why did you get so? Because you got all the clues. <laughs> Um, I'm, <laughs> You're I'm, furious. I'm just, yeah. This is a very contested <laughs> podcast I'm, I'm, episode. Like I, I've, I've been with you for so long, yeah. And and this is how you treat me. Um, I'm gonna. I, okay, I, Andrew. I do not know the answer to the question. I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess uh, a movie that I know he did, which is called Mick Max. I'm guessing that's wrong. <laughs> that is wrong. That's so it, wrong. It's a good swing. It's a good swing. So it's still 2-1, uh, and there's one more movie. That was the only other film that I had in Wait, my We're head. not going to keep going. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you two don't, if, if you two don't know any more movies that he made, I'm not going to keep handing back and forth <laughs> while you name random movies. The, unless, Shiva, if you want to mm. go, you can, but I think you've claimed this. No, no, no. Go for it. Go for it. Okay, it is The City of Lost Children from 1995. The movie that got oh. him the alien resurrection. <laughs> All right. Okay. So congratulations, Shiva. 2-1 two, one, two, one victory. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's been my time. Bye. <laughs> See you guys next time. Uh, Ending on a high note. <laughs> uh, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> and is it just Amelie that's still in there? or Amelie is the only one that is still in there. It's the okay. one with the real staying Sad. power. Um, but in terms mm. of, of Junaid's filmography, uh, he makes, obviously, he makes, like, Delicatessen in 1991. Uh, he goes to he goes to America. He meets Steven Spielberg. He visits the set of Hook. And he has that moment that all European filmmakers have, which is, I must make an American movie. Uh, so he goes back and he makes The City of Lost Children. And they reach out and they say, look, we can't find anybody to direct the fourth movie in the Alien franchise because it seems to be a career killer. Would you mind stepping in and doing it? He goes to Hollywood and he has that experience that all European filmmakers have when they set foot on an American set with the demands of American producers and American franchises. He loves every second of it. He really does. He says it was the most (laughs) enjoyable experience he ever had making a movie. In fact, like when they when Fox were like, we're releasing a director's cut of Ridley Scott's Alien. We're releasing a director's cut of James Cameron's Alien. We're releasing like an assembly cut of like David Fincher's Alien 3. Uh, they went to Junet and they're like, so would you like to do a director's cut of Alien uh, Resurrection? He's like, no, no. The movie I made, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And they were like, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. And they were like, what, what if we just stick in some CGI blood and call it a director's cut? And he's like, sure, that, that works. 
That's fine. Uh, I think there's like 30 extra seconds in the director's cut of Alien Resurrection. I uh, like I, I I need to watch it again from start to finish. And we probably will uh, at some point because uh, um, but um, I I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. For I mean, does it have his fingerprints? Is it like is it magical? Uh, is it whimsical? It involves like several of like the key cast members that he works with repeatedly. I mean, obviously like Ron Perlman, who worked with him on uh, City of uh, Lost Children. But it also includes the character here who plays the guy in the bar, Richard. What's his name? He he basically appears in seven of his movies. Uh, the oh, guy He's also the lead in Micmacs. Oh, okay. Yes, Joseph. Joseph. Uh, Gina's rejected lover. Yes. Likes popping bubble wrap. Mm. Yes. Um. So like it, it does have his fingerprints on it. In fact, like again... Not to invoke a cursed name here, one of Joss Whedon's big issues with that movie is that he wrote the script as this wry, self-aware, pop feminist fable that was going to be skewering all the tropes of the alien movies. And then he watched it and was like, mm. this, this Frenchman just, just played it all straight. Like he, he, he didn't sell any of the jokes. He, he, he just made the movie that I wrote without any of the wry irony. Um, so like, I think, I think you could argue that Janae's fingerprints in terms of like earnestness and sincerity are kind of on Alien Resurrection, mm. even though yeah, it's maybe not like a meal you want to eat with those fingerprints. You're like, why is that fingerprint on this slice of cake you served me? Um, mm. but he comes back and he basically says, look, after having his experience in Hollywood, he wants a departure. He wants to try something new. His previous movies have all been dark. They've been weird. They've had this kind of like morbid sensibility, this like very Tim Burton-esque aesthetic. And he's like, what if, and hear me out here, I make something sincere and earnest. And he's talked about how so much of this movie, small little bits, small little scenes, small little jokes, small little observations. It's a minor spoiler, but things like, say, a suicidal goldfish, for example, they all originated in like a little notebook of projects he'd been writing where he was like, I want to find a way to tie all these in to make like three or four different movies. And he was like, no, I'm just going to put them all in this one film. I'm not going to kill any of my darlings. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it only runs two hours and, and ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, what's really interesting about this is that... Was that sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it does only run two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> only. <laughs> that could be a sharp 90. Like, our, like a tight 90. Like. Our standards. Like, for <laughs> the lengths of movies. that. Like, what's wrong with, with uh, you know, just do a Varda, <laughs> 75 minutes. Okay, you don't want a Zack Snyder's <laughs> Emily, no, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I th- w- w- my review is like, now they're going to make more of these. This is, <laughs> this is a terrible thing. <laughs> like, it kind of works and that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> this four hour movie is decent and that is a problem. <laughs> like, but yeah. <laughs> what what I so basically what's really interesting though about it is that like he writes the script obviously uh, with his longtime partner um and he basically goes and shops it round he has difficulty finding finance for it. In particular like French distributors are like there is no way that foreign audiences will watch this. They're also like there is no way that French audiences will watch this. It's too saccharine, it's too cliché, it's too sweet. Very famously is there a French word for cliche? If only, if only there were a French word for it. I can't <laughs> think of it off the top of my head. Um, but apparently, like very famously, it was submitted to Cannes in 2001 and rejected 
by the president Giles Jacob, who just felt it wasn't good enough um, to be featured oh at Cannes, which is kind of incredible. Um, it does go on its release, smacking it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 we will talk about like some of the French press's reaction to this movie inevitably. Uh, but basically, so it's released in France. It does remarkably well. It plays very well with audiences, and it goes obviously on the festival tour. Uh, it goes to Edinburgh. It goes to Venice. Uh, it screens at the Toronto International Film Festival on September tenth, two thousand and one to tremendous praise inside the room. Apparently, it's it's quite a moment to have been there at the screening of it. Mm. It is snatched up by Miramax. Uh, obviously, they are in the middle of their imperial phase. Harvey Weinstein has like just beaten Spielberg to the Best Picture Oscar with Shakespeare in Love. And you have like fawning profiles of him in the New York magazine, The Emperor Miramaximus, as he presides over the benefit for the 9-11 survivors as well. <laughs> so that's kind of the context in which Miramax have seized Amelie and want to release it into the American market. Okay. It performs remarkably well it is to that moment in history up until the release of i think untouchables is that in 2014 or intouchables in 2014 it is the most successful french language movie outside of france it is the third it is still today the fourth most successful french produced movie outside of france now i'm not gonna andrew's like Competition, competition, competition. I'm not going to ask you to name the top two. <laughs> uh, but the top two are at number one, it is The Fifth Element, which is technically produced by a French production company. And at number two, it is Taken, starring Liam Neeson, also technically produced by a French film company. F- fifth Element, that's Luc Besson, right? Yes, it's because yeah. of Luc Besson. I mean, People can't see me, but I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fr- the French, they make such great movies. They make such great art, like the Taken movies. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, but it is it is released in the States. It pref- it's like, like three colors aren't French movies. Yes, three, it's like they're, they're too European to be French movies. They're, they're like Swiss and Polish. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, that's the famous story where, like, they're submitting Kowalski's kind of Three Colors trilogy to the Oscars. So they submit Blue as a Polish movie, and the Academy rejects it because it's too French. So they think, ah, we've got this now. They submit Red as a French movie, and the Academy's like, no, it's too too Swiss. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. which is But taken in the international section that, that about, about like, to say that, see win for france Willis? See, well, the, <laughs> this is why it's it, film not in an english language the academy they're very smart mm, about this they know uh, they, it yeah they're, they're on top of this it is <laughs> it is nominated at the academy awards it receives five nominations uh, including best screenplay oh. interestingly enough where it competes against movies like memento oh. for example uh, and it also competes against uh, it competes in best foreign film against the indian film lagan once upon a time in india uh, both lose the foreign language film which we have covered we memento have covered. which we have not no and ho- hopefully will at some point but not this year despite my best efforts <laughs> because there is no space in the schedule we can <laughs> this can be a weekly podcast again okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we we are going to have fifty two episodes. We are going to have fifty two episodes this year somehow. Um, yes, that is. How how's that edit going on on that episode you're editing, Andrew? I got that. I, 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 it's it's fine. Release it raw. Okay, <laughs> I am not. I'm not going to do that, Andrew. Um, but again, the film performs. Fuck very, it. <laughs> the film performs very well in the states. 
And there is this interesting discussion from like places like the Washington Post and from places like Genet, where they do wonder if, and again, I guess this is a segue into talking about the film, but it's a question of like, this comes out in the States in October 2001. And it's like, much like we talked about with Lord of the Rings, where it's like this movie is produced before 9-11. It's obviously filmed before 9-11, all this sort of stuff. But it ends up coming out and kind of resonates with the mood where there's this real sense of, you know, it's a pretty crap time to be like in America at that moment in time. The national mood is not great. The Washington Post's like review of it opens with the line, take your mind off anthrax by going and seeing Amelie, which is quite a pitch <laughs> uh, for for the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's better than anthrax, um, which is, I, they put that on the poster. But like, it, it does seem like it's a movie that resonates with audiences that want an, <laughs> sorry. With, shouldn't joke, but with audiences that want an escape, that audiences kind of want to like go into a theater and forget about their worries and watch something that makes them feel good about the world and is very simple and very straightforward. I mean, I like I watched it during the pandemic. I'm sure that's probably what made me like, oh my god, this is the best movie ever! Like, what a bright, lovely film. Um, that it was like maybe you have to be a little bit, a little bit down to really <laughs> that- get like all the enjoyment out of it (laughs) that is key like watch grave of the fireflies first and then (laughs) and then follow with amelie (laughs) we yeah we we did the double bill where it was grave of the fireflies followed by my neighbor totoro totoro and it was like we had taken drugs (laughs) it was like yeah it was amazing oh my god you don't watch them in the wrong order yeah we were so delighted yeah exactly Um, um yeah but yeah, so like, do you, do you think like, is that maybe like without, we, we're kind of joking about it, but also kind of not joking about it. Like, is that possibly a, a reason why coming back to it now in the year 2023, where obviously everything is fine and there are no problems in the world to worry about. But like, is yeah, it no problems, no problems at all. Things are just too good. That's the problem. But it is it one of those films where like it feels tied to a moment where it feels like for for you watching it during the pandemic? I think so, maybe. Um, I think one of the main reasons that I've kind of, like, I'm a bit colder towards it is that I've been listening to a lot of um, Brett Goldstein's podcast, you know, Films to be Buried With, yeah. um, and people bring it up quite often as, like, a movie that they find very cringy or very, like, too stylistic. And, like, I think that's kind of washed over me. And then when I watched it this time, I had a bit of a, a mood about it. And just from the get-go, I was like, oh, God, it is a bit much, isn't it? Like, <laughs> um, but perhaps it is, like, yeah, it has to get you in the right mood. Like even like last time we were talking about the sound of music and that's one that I can go back to again and again and again and still like just love it. A lot of singing And I feel though, like this one... <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Maybe, I don't know. How much singing there is in the sound of music. <laughs> yeah. And then you think about it and it's like, yeah, he's right. It does have a lot of singing. As someone, as someone who listened to Edelweiss yesterday, <laughs> um, I'm still on board with the singing. <laughs> uh, although, like, I mean, the music is so beautiful in this one as well. Yes. But you can't sing along. That's my issue, you know. <laughs> uh, it's a mostly instrumental. Um I mean, but, yeah, I think there's a kind of maybe, oh, it's it is a film that is so about like universal truths, but maybe it goes a little bit too too stylistic about it or something that it can lose its charm a little bit. 
Well, I mean, like maybe the film will it will surprise nobody to know that like while French audiences absolutely love this movie and while international audiences love this movie. By the way, this is one of the reasons why the French film industry in 2001 accounted for 52 percent of the French market. The first time that more people in France went to see French movies than went to see American movies or foreign movies in large part due to the success of Amelie. Um, But like the French press and again, like. What's really interesting when you read coverage of this is that like Junet is always like, look, we, we made lots of money. We won lots of prizes. We got overwhelmingly positive reviews. Many of them were very amazing, but we got like six negative reviews. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about those six negative reviews in depth because those people are very wrong. Um, yeah. But like you have the, the French press describing Amelie. And I love this quote as Euro Disney in Montmartre. A writer for the communist daily L'Humanité describes Junet <laughs> as creating a postcard Montmartre, presumably aimed at seducing an American audience fond of the picturesque. Uh, the left-wing daily paper Liberation, whose critic Serge Kaginsky attacked Junet's dreamy, nostalgic vision of Paris as white supremacist. He thought <laughs> the film resembled a video for the country's right-wing National Front Party, decrying the fact that black characters were largely absent and that the only Arab character had a French name, Lucienne. I did actually notice there was like, uh, there like at one point she's in a train, train station and she oh, is yeah. being kind of pursued by three black men, I think. And she looks like she's like, she's like a bit threatened i was like oh the representation of this movie is not good <laughs> um like that's like they're the only black characters i think i didn't read her as threatened i did see those characters and wonder kind of why don't i know like what they like doing and what they <laughs> hate doing <laughs> why is this <laughs> telling me yeah they, um, yeah this uh, uh this this is um do, was there a complaint that there wasn't kind of what what name do they have not a not a not a French name because uh, uh, because yeah. Lucien has already Luc- been criticized because he's an Arab character with, with a, French a French name, name. Yeah. so so they didn't have French names so I guess no you but they it. they so they but they they have a non French name. And they don't like being marginalized in films. And that that is like their 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 two line kind of synopsis of their character. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um but like and and again, like the I think of like the one liner from Ed Gonzalez's slant review, which is France's Titanic is now the Weinstein brothers' wet dream, a speed leaden capsule they hope to pedal to a downtrodden movie going public before pushing on the Oscars voting block. And like Peter Bradshaw, again, the man who, who coined the phrase. Who hurt these post- people? <laughs> I, I, okay. Um, and like Peter Bradshaw. It's Osama Bin Laden. Like, are they not <laughs> grateful for Amelie? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I Never mind then. Never mind. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. Go ahead. Um, but like Peter Bradshaw's review, which opens with the paragraph... Watching this movie is like being frog-marched into Maxime's in Paris, being forced to eat up the entire sweet trolley in 60 seconds, while Maurice Chevalier stands behind you singing a 78 RPM version of Zank Evans for Little Girls, 
Kerr's little girls get bigger every day. Director Jean-Pierre Junet's lavish, hyperactive, romantic whimsy is now the gooeyest dish on the cinema menu. You will need a very sweet tooth to take it. In fact, you may need a tooth of pure sucrose, not to mention gums of marzipan and a drawbone of sherbet. So, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) How did I feel? Yeah, yeah. Perfect movie for you. Honestly, that review was too sugary for me. (laughs) 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 That was was more sugary than the movie. (laughs) Tell tell me how you really feel, Peter Bradshaw, apparently. Give them some of their own medicine. Review to review it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, I mean... So yeah, I guess then this is a kind of a segue into asking the three questions. So Shiva, do you think that Amelie belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Oh God, I don't know. Um, like, you know, I, I don't hate it. I don't like, I actually, I still like it quite a lot. I think it's coming down from love, love, loving it. That, that kind of made me um, a bit more negative towards it. But I think when I look at the list of the 250 movies, I'm like, of course it does. Of course it belongs here. Or like, like, is it better than the help? Question mark. (laughs) It's definitely better than the help. Oh my God. Is it better than Spider-Man? No way home. Uh, 100%. (laughs) Oh my God. God. uh, Don't get me started. Don't get me started on that movie. (laughs) I've had fights with friends about that movie. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, this is this is not a podcast that's going to take the radical position that no, Spider-Man No Way Home is one of the 250 <laughs> greatest movies of all time. Um, uh-huh. that the, I believe our answer to that question were four hearty laughs. Um, but yeah, so you think that on, on that list as it is, it belongs? Hmm. You know, I think it probably does. I think that maybe it's just nowadays in like 2023, it's weird to be like having a conversation about Amelie or maybe it's just so not in the discussion anymore. It's so, like was very much maybe of its time and then it I think it had a big influence obviously kind of put French cinema and stuff on the map in a certain way and kind of maybe influenced this manic pixie dream girl thing that existed but like now it's like people aren't looking to Amelie anymore but it did (laughs) people look to Amelie um but (laughs) it's I think it definitely earned its place culturally I think it was massive like um and it's I think it's so cool that people bought into it so much as well like I really do wonder like was it that just at that time people needed an escapism or something that made it so popular and um, because there's no accounting for it really because like I can see them in can being like no one's gonna want this this is an embarrassment um <laughs> yeah. so it's just interesting Quick, that the American message. press are coming yeah exactly no 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 no, no. <laughs> um yeah no I think it's, it's actually just really fascinating that it resonated so much and I I really find it so I love when movies that are just individual movies are on that list, like that they're not these huge blockbusters that are a part of something bigger. Even looking at the rest of his films, like I know Alien Resurrection, but like Delicatessen and A Very Long Engagement, like they're they're not big blockbusters or anything. He's just like this one film on this big list of all the films that have ever been made. So I think it's pretty cool. And I think it definitely deserves to be there in a way. Um, and Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this movie belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Um, I do. I feel like I, I agree with Shiva that it captures a moment. It belongs, I think, with other movies. Like we, we did Donnie Darko, for example. Yes, and that which feels, is another 2001 movie as well. Yeah, yeah, and it feels very much kind of like of its time. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, to the point where like a giant jet engine crashes through a roof yeah. in the first 20 minutes. I did not realize movie. that was 2001. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Obviously not, like, not planned. That no. was a moment where they had several meetings afterwards oh. and were like, what the hell? Because it's kind of essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you can't just cut that scene out God. and hope that they'll follow along. Um, and it, it, and like it, it's it's a like you can't say uh, June needs a movie on the list as really. like a defining he, filmmaker of his yeah, generation because and, and he he he's not but I'm I'm maybe because I'm sympathetic to this movie I'm sympathetic to the argument of like no have more yeah. of these kind of like one off um, yeah. uh, movies where somebody is at their best. Rather than having like these directors who have like six mm. or seven movies, yeah. some of which maybe aren't like that great compared to, if you were to compare them with their best movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shade at Christopher Nolan's Interstellar there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where, 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 no, where, uh, I, 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 I don't I, think I either I mean, of us are going to argue against Interstellar, but I think a lot of people would. And, and, and I think like the fact that you have kind of like, fanboyish kind of yeah. tendencies to people maybe including ourselves yes. one what not that i'll ever bloody vote on the imdb <laughs> just on <laughs> principle <laughs> yeah i'm uh, uh, yeah um yeah it, it's it, it is kind of refreshing to have the 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 these sorts of movies on it and and and, and i think it does belong especially the the, the vintage it's like the the list is changing all the time, but it's also kind of a relic of the the <laughs> oh, late oh, again, 90s, the late early 90s, 30, yeah, thousands. That, that yeah. snapshot of a moment culturally. I mean, yeah, for myself, I'm kind of torn on it. Like, I I probably lean more no than yes. I kind of agree with Shiva. Whereas, like, is this better than the help? The answer is yes. Is this better than Spider Man No Way Home? I'm, the answer is yes. I'm glad uh, the question hasn't been is this better than Amelie. <laughs> 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 don't worry one day the help will drop I, out I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to see the help and think, like, and this you is think great. it's actually really great <laughs> I don't see what your problem is with this movie Darren yeah yeah um, do, you do like racism then? have you talked about it on the podcast no you haven't talked about it there's no, no one's no, chosen we, we the help talked. that's crazy <laughs> yeah, I know I, guess, I mean, I guess we talk about it all the time. <laughs> we, we do, yeah. It almost feels like it's kind of the, one of the few remaining Mount Olympuses of the podcast. Yeah. Where it's like, I, we need a special occasion it, to do it. I, I think early on we had a thing where we each chose like the the worst movie on the list. And I think mine was The Deathly Hallows Part 2. Which is and a it, good choice because your argument was that it's not even a movie. It's half a movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it was also, I've seen it. <laughs> um, so, like, I can't judge all these movies I haven't seen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, so, yeah, by that logic, I mean, sure, it could be on here. The other argument I would make is that, and again, this is one of the things where it's like, does the slot have to be taken from this to be given to something else? But it's like, French cinema is, like, so much more than this. International cinema, European cinema is so much more than what the Weinsteins and Miramax kind of like marketed to the American public between 1993 and 2015, where do we need to have this and Life is Beautiful and Cinema Paradiso on there? Can't we just have one of them because they all are, for me, 
the same kind of film, the same like folksy, feel good, quirky, eccentric European movie that takes a, a a situation that's probably not great and tries to put a wonderful spin on it. You know, tries to make everybody leave the cinema kind of smiling at the end of it when they pr- maybe shouldn't be. In Darren's opinion, yes, I am apparently comparing Amelie to the Holocaust. <laughs> um, I didn't realize I was doing it, but I got there in the end. <laughs> But I also think that, like, we, we have this list and at the moment, say... You three refer co- back to that so that you can't edit it out. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but, okay, I was more referring to the type of films, the postcard arthouse films, as uh, Bradshaw described them. But I, I I look at this and I think, like, the list currently doesn't have um, any of the Three Colors trilogy on it. It doesn't have Three Colors Red on it, for example, which I know is technically a Swiss movie, but it doesn't also have like Three Colors Blue, which is technically a French movie, right? Um, It doesn't have any of those on there. And it's like, I look at, even in terms of the French movies I would have been watching around the time this came out, like uh, Le Cage au Fond or um, what was the other one? The other one was La Placard, which I'm sure have aged terribly in that they are French sex farces from the late 90s about homosexuality. But they, to me, feel like, you know, if you're having a conversation about French cinema, they probably merit some discussion yeah. in the place of, of, of this. You know, like, I, I don't know. I just. I, yeah. I mean, I mean what the stuff like later stuff as well, like um, uh, the, the Prophet. Yeah. Um, the Prophet isn't on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Does like La Haine. Lehane is on there, to be fair. To okay. Be uh, directed by one of the stars of this movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, that's my argument. My argument is, I mean, it is better than some of the Was American... Was Meireen good? Um, I'm kind of... Uh, I, I remember it being quite good, but I... I... I it's a movie I want to rewatch. What I right. do remember is the New York Times review of this movie from Elvis Mitchell, who it was generally a rave, to be clear. I mean, Elvis I don't Mitchell's want this to sound... great, by the way. What? I I, I I do quite like Elvis Mitchell. He does the treatment, isn't it? Yeah, Which is yeah. a fantastic show. But like, and I want to be clear, Mitchell loved it. He, it was his pick of the week, week pick of the week, um, pick <laughs> of the week. He thought it was fab. Um, but he did make the observation that it was really disconcerting watching it as somebody who had watched La Haine, which is a movie about how multicultural and how diverse French society is, populated by people from all sorts of backgrounds. And to see the director and one of the actors from La Haine in a movie that is weirdly like, no, Paris and specifically Montmartre are the whitest places on earth. Right. Um, so like I I do think like Lehane is a very good example where Lehane is a much more socially realist grounded portrayal of France oh, yeah. at that moment in time. I mean yeah what what uh, the, I I I I think the like aside aside from the question of diversity it's a consciously fantastical yeah. kind of movie. It's not trying, it's not going for verisimilitude. No, it's not. But it, yeah. it's it's interesting the things that you erase when you decide you're not going for verisimilitude, though, is the thing. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not arguing for the, the yeah, I'm, I'm saying like the, the, the postcardiness of, yes, of, is of intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gnome gets um, more well, airtime than people of color. The gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he has he has an arc and a journey he has a literal character (laughs) journey um so shiva would this be on your own personal 250 favorite movies a person of color surrogate okay okay yeah um 
<laughs> Wait, what? I completely missed that. <laughs> no, 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 never, no, never mind. Don't worry. Um, she, Shiva, would this be on your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite movies? Um, I think it probably would be. Yeah, like it's still like, I was trying to make my own 250 list recently. Um, yeah, I think it would be there. I think it, it, it is just like trying to have individual kind of different kind of movies and just like, yeah. Even whenever I watched it that last time, um, I was taking like a screenwriting course and there was, <laughs> we were talking all about like character and like giving your characters traits and stuff. And I was like, it's just doing it. It's just, it's just doing it right out in the <laughs> open. It's telling us all their little, the little secrets that we, as screenwriters, you'd know this, but you don't actually tell anyone, <laughs> um, but they're just doing it. Um, so I don't know, like, even if sometimes it's a little bit, grating i like this time particularly i really did enjoy all the jokes in it and just like it really did feel like it was just a whole bunch of ideas coming together into one film i kind of realized not a whole lot happens in this film there's no real yeah. tension or stakes or any problems really um it's all just like vibes and like uh, <laughs> um but i did like one of my favorite bits is she she's walking the blind man to the metro station she's telling him all these beautiful things happening and then he like ascends <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> he, he like powers up like he's becoming part of like he one of those like, super saiyan yeah, yeah yeah like i just love all those little bits that are given no real explanation like i know it is that she like it's her imagination and like but it's it's just so funny and fun and even like when she's thinking about all the couples who are having orgasms and then like that in itself is like a jarring moment when it's like going through the montage and then she's just like 15 <laughs> like she just turns to the camera <laughs> like it's so funny and stupid like that's I think that's where my enjoyment of it lies now just in kind of how silly it is and how it doesn't give any reason for its its comedy it just lays it all out there and is fun for the sake of being fun so yeah I think it would be in my top 250 and Andrew, like, I'm, obviously it's part of Teenage Andrew's Top 250. It's maybe yeah, one the, of his... the Teenage Andrew is part of Andrew. Wow. <laughs> That's very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the teenager is... It's father to the man. <laughs> father to the man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but okay, so that's a yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, 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 absolutely. I, 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 like, but one of one of my first kind of serious girlfriends. I remember the the, uh, like, um, uh, she was getting ready and like playing in the house as this Jan Tiersen kind of soundtrack, and it was all it was very kind of. Um, oh, so it's tied to that moment. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like like that. I I'm like uh, sentimental, I suppose. But uh, but also just like watching this movie, I was like, oh, Darren's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He's a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't he enjoy this? I need to fix him. <laughs> so so Andrew made a copy of my key yeah. and snuck into my house. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to teach me a lesson. Yes. I don't think I ever yes. looked at how kind of like. She's a little bit nasty as well, like just a little. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Like I know he's not uh, nice, but you, that's a bit much. Like leave him alone. Yeah, like it does. 
it does feel like it's missing a bit of text at the end telling you that he was committed to a psychiatric institution right, yeah, three months later. Exactly. Yeah. After experiencing four consecutive nervous breakdowns. You can't make an omelette without like if I break you, Darren, <laughs> it's okay because my intentions are, are pure. Yeah. But exactly. even with okay. the first guy with the like the little box and the phone booth, like he goes into the the bar cafe thing and he's like someone's watching over me or whatever if that happened to me i'd be like someone is mm. watching me and is following me and has my stuff and like i would be worried <laughs> oh 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 oh! I, I have a big andrew asked like darren's big issues with these movies uh we'll we'll, we'll talk about them <laughs> cool. in the spoiler zone uh, but i will say it's like to, to your reference of like jan tierson and the soundtrack that's really sweet that that is your point of reference for it I feel like maybe part of me being jaded about Amelie is that my point of reference for that wonderful quirky piano score from Jan Tiersen is hearing it in every indie foreign language trailer for the next 10 mm. years. Um, that maybe, maybe jaded. It was too powerful. Amelie is too powerful. It was. It changed everything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It changed culture. Mm. It yeah, probably. it'll change how you bank. <laughs> 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 you, you, you will... <laughs> <laughs> you're going to go it's, to it's like, the, it was the moby play of french yeah, movie yeah, soundtracks you're, you're, every, you're, every piano score was licensed before the album you're going was straight released. to like your nearest branch of santander or whatever <laughs> um, is using that that, that, that yeah. right now yeah um and and for myself no no it would not be on my own personal <laughs> what? I, I, I yeah i know I, i've been so i i do not care for this movie I, 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 do, I really do not care for this movie. Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of, to me, yeah, it, it, it embodies for me, like, some of the worst traits of what I consider to be the art house kind of circuit. It feels very calculated. I don't, it's that thing that, that Shiva mentioned on rewatching it, where it's like, the first time you watch it, it's so sincere. And I think you mentioned this this time you're like, but it's in on the joke. Uh, and it's kind of laughing and it's kind of hilarious. It has that weird Forrest Gump effect for me where I'm like, I don't know how sincerely I'm meant to take this. And like, mm. it opens like Forrest Gump. The first shot of the movie is something drifting and flying through the wind and through the air before landing uh, on the ground. And again, this story of another character who influences inadvertently the lives of others while being caught up well, in... The, the difference is is more the, the the satire is more pointed because it gets squashed like yes, immediately. Yeah. They, 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 if 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 it is kind of making a knowing allusion to Forrest Gump is trying to be more clear I think about its intentions yeah. no yeah yeah but uh, but I think in general the movie itself does where I, I like I I I, the, 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 I I I do not care for Amelie herself and I do not care for the movie around her. Oh, you monster! I am, I am a, mo I am the worst human being who ever lived. Um, and I, she was a little lonely girl. That's why she ended up this way. How could you hate a little I, lonely girl? You wouldn't have played with her. <laughs> you would have bullied her. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you seen? Have you have you read Thomas Harris's book Red Dragon? There's a wonderful line in there where Will Graham, when he's profiling the serial killer, is like, "As a child, my heart breaks for her." As an adult, she's irredeemable. Um, <laughs> <Amelie>. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. What is what is entirely fair way of looking at the character of Amelie? Uh, I am I am mostly mostly joking here, but there is a kernel of truth to this. Um, all right, and Shiva, if Aaron listeners hates whimsy. I, I mean, 
I feel, I feel, I feel, I'm really going to challenge you on this. Yeah, yes. I, <laughs> I, I, I apologize, Shiva. Feel free to jump in on Andrew's side during this. Oh, no, um, no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, Shiva, if I'm listeners sorry. have not seen Amelie, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? It is streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. Oh. The home of whimsy. God, that's so annoying. I bought it on YouTube. Stupid. <laughs> I was so shocked that I had Disney Plus. <laughs> I was like, I thought I cancelled that. <laughs> like, certain I cancelled it. And Disney was like, no. <laughs> you uh-huh. never will. Disney took a copy. <laughs> Took a copy of your keys, snuck into your home Maybe. at night and subscribed you the service Maybe. because it knew it would make your life better. I, and I was thinking, <laughs> is it possible I've cancelled it and it was less than 30 days ago? Like, That's possible. It could be it. Yeah. It's, it's mm. like you think you'd remember though. Yeah, I certainly That's haven't watched anything on Disney. Like Mandal- <laughs> The Mandalorian has been there this whole time. <laughs> at your fingertips um, this whole yeah. time. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. You want to? And Andrew's like, I'll get round to you eventually. Um, yeah, but yeah, to answer uh, the question. Yeah, no, that's fine. To answer the question. Yes. Finish Succession. Finish Barry. Um, Sorry. I like that's a tough one because I think this is the kind of movie that you'd sit down next to someone and say like, I love this movie, and then while it's playing, you're like, oh god, like, are they enjoying this? Like. We're right. watching a baby being born right now. Um, I don't know. There's just like <laughs> lots of different bits where you're like, oh, I can see like in the privacy of like watching this on my own, I enjoyed this, and then like feel very vulnerable watching it with others. That's how I think I would feel. Um, and so, mm, I think it really depends on how open minded you're going to be going in. I think if you're willing to give something a chance, take a risk like all those millions of people in the US and around Europe <laughs> who loved it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's de- it is. Don't be the Giles Jacob of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I think it like definitely in terms of it being something completely different, I think it's worth taking a dive into it. Um, because, yeah, it's likely you're not going to have seen something exactly like it if you haven't seen it already. Um, and Andrew, what about yourself? Do you recommend listeners pause the podcast? And- yeah, I'm 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 going to brazenly recommend Ooh. that they like um, drop all <laughs> their the confidence. reservations <laughs> and uh, and watch this beautiful movie um, uh, with with yeah with with open hearts. Oh, <laughs> why are you looking at me saying this? <laughs> No, it's I I I I think I think um, I think Audrey Tattoo is great. Yeah. Yes. Um, I I I think I get the sense of her as like a serious enough person and actor, yeah. and that she is um, uh, playing this very well in a sense that we 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 get her kind of childish whimsy, but I feel like believe her as an adult mm. yeah i mean again like tato she had like her her big screen she'd been obviously a model uh she'd been acting since the age of 18 on television uh she made her feature film debut with venus beauty institute in 1999 which won her the Césaire um for most promising emerging actor and then this comes two years later and immediately makes her a star and it's really fascinating to watch all of the award season coverage from places like the los angeles times where like people who know tattoo are talking about how 
really, really, really frustrated she is to have to keep talking about it. How much she's like, I made the movie, I'm proud of the movie, but I hate that like a year later I'm still sitting on couches trying to sell it. Was it it began as a dream and it ended as a pain in the arse is apparently a comment from one of her close associates. That's crazy though, because even watching it this time, I was like, this this role is gonna like it has her forever. Like, I mean, no matter how much she does, I've seen her in other stuff, but she's always gonna be Amelie. Like, that's so crazy that like We've already mentioned Harry Potter on this podcast, but like Harry Potter, obviously those characters have them. That was eight movies. She's in this one movie. She will always be Amelie. And reference, like that's a character that kind of you can reference and people know who you're talking about. That's crazy. It's so like definitely in the culture. Yeah. yeah. Like the, I think, who is it again? It's like Sean William Scott says like he's just always stiffer. Mm. And yeah. that, like, he would like it's to the not same be comparison. Yeah, him and Audrey's had two talk about it all the time. <laughs> the same thing. Exactly. They just they're in the same group chat with <laughs> yeah. the Harry Potter actors. <laughs> I I was definitely hesitating. I was like, this does not belong in the same category. Do it, Andrew. Say it. Oh, you're already saying it. Abort. Abort. Do, do you know that like um, Audrey Tato was not the first choice <gasps> for the role, which is insane. Gosh. Wow. Um, the role was written. For British actor Emily Watson, um, who was apparently written, the role was written for her. She agreed to do it, and then she backed out the last minute when she saw how long she'd have to spend in France making the movie. What um, a nightmare. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, that is that's why she's called Emily um, <gasps> because she was because it was meant to be Emily. Oh my god, Watson. So that's that's an interesting. That's crazy. That's a really interesting alternate universe. Definitely. And I think it kind of plays into that idea that Junaid took the, again, Hollywood filmmaking and kind of brought it to France. Where like one of the big criticisms for French critics was that it was far too Hollywood. Mm. Anyway, with that in mind, we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So she... (laughs) So Shiva. Zone, zone dispeller. <laughs> zone dis- uh, uh, Okay, all right. That, okay, we're doing that. Um, Shiva, what is Amelie about for you? Oh, um, so for me, it's about, I think the, I think this is what the movie's about, that it's, just, it's all about like how everyone, how everything is connected and everyone's lives influences what happens to everyone else and that it's... Uh, like we're all we're all different in our little in- intricacies but um all so connected and i've just said the same thing six times but like, i think that is like it's there in kind of in the narration but also in the how amelie goes about her life and the world and like even just the inciting incident finding the little box of the toys that sets her off in wanting to change people's lives basically or wanting to get involved in manipulating situations so it's on one hand about how these things just happen by by the very nature of life and then how you can make that decision to make things happen as well so um but also like then I guess it's like is it saying that fate has a part to play as well when I can't remember his name the the guy who directed Len his character um but basically that like they oh N- nino nino yeah is, is... yeah they they love yes. interest right? yeah so yeah. i was like he he was a ch- like a lonely child as well and they like are both at their windows with their flashlights and it's like 
they hadn't crossed paths, but like they all they were always going to like or there was a sense that they are meant to find each other at a certain point. Um, but yeah, I think it's about interconnectedness and how we influence each other. Which is a big, big theme in, again, Turn the Millennium Cinema. We go back and we look at things like, say, Shortcuts, for example, but even like, say, Three Colors Red from around the same time. Um, even the States movies like Go. Like there is that kind of like end of the 90s. The world is all interconnected and our lives are all intertwined. Mm. Um, Run Lola Run, I think, is a big hit around this time from Germany as well, which is another one of those kind of stories. And I think that I think you're onto something there, but I think it's it's important that the film is structured so that like she has to eventually make a choice. Mm. There's this idea of the question of like observation versus participation yeah. throughout the movie where like she is, uh, you know, that that I, that discussion the painter has, the, the the glass man has, where he's talking about how the, the girl at the center of the frame, she's in the middle of everything, but she's alone. The idea that, you know, uh, Amelie is like involved in all these lives she's the center of all these lives she's driving them and manipulating them and steering them and guiding them and pushing them into collision but she's not living her own mm. life which is kind well, of interesting and like I... you said that like point of the, the question of like is it fate that brings them together in the end the big thing is the glass man takes her in and says you have to make a choice you have to make a decision yeah you have to act rather than just letting it happen How, having said that i think it's also i think it's a celebration of observation because they, 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 um, like Amelie is a story of, you could say of, of sort of arrested development, but also I think it's, um, of the, the, um, instincts that we lose as we grow up. So I, I, I think like, like Amelie. In terms of for, say natural curiosity. Yeah. So, for, so for, for Amelie, all, all sorts of things are happening at once. And they're happening for all of us if we had like the eyes to see or or the ears to hear them, and that children are fascinated by those things in a way that uh, grown ups are far too busy for. And they're like, you know, come 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 along, leave that leaf alone, you know. Stop stop punching holes in that leaf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that and that Emily has that kind of. A creativity meeting uh, boredom that we kind of lose as uh, as we get uh, older. Yeah, yeah, and and that that is a kind of the movie serves as a reminder um, uh, of that thing that we've lost. While also, I do agree with you; it has it has an arc because of of course it does. It has to, you know. Um, well, the way you're talking about it, I'm like, is this also like a big Gen X movie? Is this like Bill and Ted's bogus journey? Is this a story about a woman who just needs to grow up because she's been living this kind of like coddled existence in the 90s? Well, it's an audience. It's about I, I, I feel like it's about an audience that 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 needs to grow down. You oh. know, they, they, as as or if if it, uh, sorry, that doesn't make sense. But the, but that 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 need that uh, just say it with certainty. Yeah, it needs to rediscover its childhood <laughs> uh, sense of wonder. But just even that, like, um, at certain points, she's romanticizing everything. But then there's things that kind of the romanticism falls away. So, you know, there's the the bald guy in the pictures that they keep seeing them and they're like, he's a ghost and he wants to be remembered. But then we find out he's just repairing the machines. Yeah. Um. Like, so it's like she's made this whole fantasy up in her head. It's not real. And even then with um, 
Georgette and with Joseph and Joseph yeah. and Georgette. Yeah, where she puts the two of them together. It's hell. <laughs> like it's yeah, like it just he just goes back into the same patterns of what he's like in a relationship and it's not it's like the, re- the reality is like he is um a piece of shit. Um so <laughs> <laughs> so it's not going to work with her either. <laughs> excuse me <laughs> he'll find he'll find someone yeah. he'll f- not in that cafe though probably let's face it he needs to go <laughs> yeah she sure, had like a good orgasm yeah she was happy for a little while. we all heard <laughs> <laughs> she, she, it what, wasn't, 16 then yeah it wasn't a, like yes he is he's 100 like certainly a piece of shit <laughs> But she she had so like better to have had love and lost. It's okay. This is this is this is one of manipulated into loving a monster. This is one of the things about like if you ask like why I don't like the whimsy of this movie, (laughs) it it is like the encapsulation of the like Joseph and Georgette relationship where like Amelie basically throws them together because she's bored. And because her own life is unfulfilling and she doesn't feel satisfied in who she is. And they get together and they have that tremendous sex scene, as Andrew mentioned, and the film's like, that's incredible. And then at the end, you do get to see that, like, Joseph is a piece of shit and he's awful and he's terrible. and He's going to do exactly what he did in his previous relationship. Mm. But at, at, at no point does either of them go... You know, Amelie really shouldn't have pointed us at each other. In particular, Georgette Mm. doesn't go, hey, Amelie, you know when you pointed me at Joseph? You know when you got me into this situation with this abusive stalking jerk Mm. who's now going to be staring at me every day for the foreseeable future? You maybe shouldn't have done that, Amelie. That was not a cool thing for you to do. And I know that that makes it sound like I want kind of like a Hayes Code-esque, you know, crime doesn't pay. You hate Amelie. You hate her. I- <laughs> what is this vendetta? <laughs> Hashtag cancel Amelie. Um, but, but no. Um, she, I am not enemy. She is my enemy. Emily is my enemy, not my enemy. Um, but that, that joke kills in <laughs> But what I will say is that like that, that's the thing for me where it really just seems like at the end of this movie, the glass man is like... Emily, you work so hard to make other people happy. What you really need to do is learn to make yourself happy as well. And for me, that doesn't feel like what the tone should be going from that argument with Joseph and Georgette. It really feels like the tone of that should be, you know, maybe you should stop meddling in other people's shit and deal with your own problems. Mm. Like it, it feels like the whimsy of the movie isn't quite earned in that way where the movie kind of gestures broadly at the idea that this is you know a way for her to avoid confronting adult life it's a way for her to avoid growing up i know andrew says it's a movie about quote unquote growing down Uh, i do think it's a movie about growing up where amelie learns that she maybe has to embrace and live her own life instead of vicariously living others and part of me watching the movie this time 
does feel like the movie is maybe telling me to go fuck myself as an audience member where it's like continuously there's continuous references to the act of watching characters are constantly watching screens obviously you have the glass man who's watching a clock on screen and they have the communication through the video camera you have all the videotapes you have repeated references to Amelie's love of cinema uh, when she goes to the cinema and she stares at the faces of the people around her and she talks about how much she loves noticing these details in these movies and how much she hates when actors don't look at the road when they're driving and how much of the movie is her kind of implicating you the audience member in what she's doing mm. she's continuously talking to the camera she's the first character in the movie to talk directly to the camera outside the narrator she's constantly like she will do something and then will look at the camera as if to say you like this don't you and i'm like no no i don't (laughs) please please stop making me part of this um but like it does feel like the point of the movie is that amelie is an observer who is not living her own life and watching the movie and how much attention the movie plays to the act of like watching screens it does feel a little bit like it's the end of Ready Player One, where like Junet is saying, yeah, so you like watching movies, right? Maybe you should go outside and live your own movie. And I'm uh, like, that, that's a that's a really crappy thing to tell me after I've given you two this hours. That's why you hate this life. movie. It's <laughs> because it? you're an indoor kid. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. You, you got me. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think like at up top, it, it kind of it it does lay the groundwork for why she is like that. I think like it kind of it does give you a reason that she doesn't fit into the world as it is, and that she like doesn't have a way of relating to be- people properly. Um, so I don't know. I do. I think it does work. And even yeah, speaking of that, like as well, like at the very beginning, she's there having sex or someone's having sex with her. And she's just like kind of lying there smiling and then at the end she's kind of like she's part of it with Nino you know what I mean like so she does that is her full arc (laughs) like um yeah no you're you're right but that's the thing as well like I think maybe that Georgette doesn't confront Amelie or anything because they don't really consider her as part of it or like they just don't even register that she was part of it because she is so yeah she's just the background of everything for everyone like she doesn't really play a part in anyone's lives in a meaningful way i don't think until um or like she doesn't she doesn't take up real estate she doesn't draw attention to herself try to she just kind of yeah exactly yeah i think i think um shortet probably more than Amelie probably blames Joseph and a little bit herself that she probably do- doesn't really reflect on Amelie's role at all. So what you're saying is that Amelie is some sort of evil supervillain and puppet master type character. Because like, I, I was watching like the scene where like she gets the the album back to Nino and like he goes to the phone and he has to run through the public park and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, this this isn't a scene from a romantic comedy. This is like the Scorpio killer calling Dirty Harry. This is like the Riddler taunting Batman. I also nightmare. This isn't like a quirky. <laughs> yeah. Even when he's like, he uses the paper to um to like write a message in the strip club or whatever kind of part. Yeah. And then he sees the message. In my head, I was like, wouldn't you just be exhausted? Like, you'd just be like, oh God, now I have to go there, do I? Like, just tell me to my face. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I I know we don't have mobiles yet. Although it's two thousand and one, you do have mobiles yet. <laughs> oh no, it's nineteen ninety seven, mm. so you don't really have mobiles yet. But like, it it does feel like it's it's a lot of work. Mm. And maybe this is just my non romantic side speaking, but I'm like, this really does feel like it's a lot of work. Yeah, 
This is your non-romantic side. That, that is my non-romantic. Okay. okay. I was kind of okay. thinking that though, if like, if this is her beginning the relationship and she's doing all these things, it's like, that's yeah. a lot of upkeep if it's for an entire relationship. You know what I mean? You have to start with that level yeah. of commitment and like artistry and creativity, you know? What do we think they talk about? Like, that's the thing. When they get together at the end, I'm like, what do we think that Nino and Amelie talk about? Like, after they have sex they and are cuddling. stuff. And they're doing stuff. He, he, yeah, <laughs> he, he's, he, now he sees smooth stones, and he's like, "There's a smooth stone. Emily would like that smooth stone." Like, I, I, yeah, this is admittedly a very shallow thing, but it's like the fact that when she travels, she travels like she's in a music video from like MTV circa 2001, where she gets on a train and the camera starts Jason shaking Bourne. and zooming and pushing. And like the bit when they're riding the scooter together at the end mm. and the camera's shaking and zooming and they turn and they like, do they stick their tongues out of the camera? I think it well at one point it, it it's it's I'm like, what do the what are the inner lives of these characters like now? That's what I'm wondering when I'm watching this. Like they're just vibes. I, I, they're, just like vibes. There's no, <laughs> they're just there's no yeah. Is there? Were you never tempted at any point to participate in their happiness? <laughs> no, I'm not Amelie. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that that behavior is not healthy. I don't need the movie to tell me what. <laughs> Sorry, them riding on the motorcycle. They're like, what is their interior like? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it like watching them? Uh, full of joy doesn't kind of because i don't like i immediately i'm like what do we think their first conversation over dinner is like because all they've done is as shiva said it's like play these like like 1970s cop movie mind games with one another (laughs) where they send like taunting letters where there are like question marks drawn on bodies inside like photo albums (laughs) um and like stickers put up at like stations and stuff it, it it is like Mr. Policeman. I gave you all the clues. What is what is the first they cook dinner together and sit down and have a conversation about? Like that's. I think they just they just observe with each other. They just have the same breath. They yeah. just they're just like fascinated by everything they see around them. Exactly. And like I don't know if there's any conversation, but they're just like uh, like <laughs> amused by each other. I, yeah. They'll just see life together. Isn't that what it is like? The perfect relationship isn't looking at each other, but looking outwards together. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're just like, they live the same way. And so they'll, they'll find joy in the same things. I, yeah, like the, that, that their lives together are kind of the, well, the part that the movie wants to tell is, is there sort of like, um, their turn taking kind of show and tell. Mm. And I, 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 I I love that about a relationship. I, 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 like with my if I'm reading something or listening to something and I think it's interesting and I want to share it with somebody, I'll 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 share it with my wife. Like even if 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 she's like like she 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 might have an opinion about it or she might she she might not. But like that that it's kind of to 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 take the things that kind of interest you and say you'll never guess what I saw on the, the the way to work today. And if you, and if there's somebody who's come, you know, like compatible, who's able to kind of like see the, the kind of the, 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 the beauty or the magic in, in kind of simple things like that, then like, um, I, 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 I feel, I feel like there, there's nothing kind of poor about 
kind of their um, okay. interior <laughs> lives or their, 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 their conversations. I feel like they've, they've plenty to occupy themselves. They also, they feel All like right. a very uh, judgment-free zone for each other as well. Like, he doesn't, like, embarrass her for being so shy and stuff because he knows it's her as well whenever... Like, I, oh my god, her artistry as though as well though, like yeah. writing um the backwards um yes. like that was cool. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was yeah. amazing. Yeah, when Audrey Tartu can can write that menu. Yeah, that backwards. was incredible. But then also like she goes to deliver the album to his work in like the sex shop. She's not like she doesn't have any preconceived notion about that in any way. Like she's just interested in him as a person. Um, yeah, no, I think that they're just kind of, they're very open to each other. Um, <laughs> I want to see the sequel. Where's the sequel? I want to see their story. <laughs> <laughs> to Amelie. Um, to Amelie, to Paris. Yeah. Amelie in Paris. Oh, Actually, my, oh God, my God, we did That's it. That's where that came. <laughs> 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 um, but okay. By the way, it's Amelie and per- um, Amelie and Paris. Yes, yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> that, that's the way it's meant to be pronounced. Um, <laughs> according to the production company that brought all of those Golden Globes voters to Paris for the <laughs> first oh time, and not to secure their votes. Um, but yeah, in terms of so, in terms of Amelie, though, uh, she anything else you want to talk about? Anything jumping out of you in terms mm-hmm. of the movie? Um, don't watch it while eating food. That's what I'd say. I don't know. I just I felt like I was eat- eating it with. I was watching it eating breakfast and I just found a very like kind of visceral film in terms of like kind of gross things. Um, again, just the baby being born at the beginning. Let's just, I'm just going to say it again. <laughs> I forgot about it. It grossed me out. Um, but like there were just some other bits as well. I don't know. It felt very like icky. Um, but yeah, it's just it's like a very textured film, a very like um you feel it all or i felt it all and also just this time it really got me when her her mother died i just felt really sad <laughs> like it happened so quickly and i was like oh no this is terrible and it's, it happens in like a funny way but i'm just like oh god and we never talk about her again the suicide at, at, at the <laughs> yeah Zoom, it was a suicide Clar- clarence boddicker <laughs> could have thrown her can you fly bobby sorry um, um but also but, uh, i but, think um, it yeah. could have been a shorter as well <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well it is it is very episodic like it, it's you could cut at least one or two of these subplots yeah, from the movie and it would flow so. relatively smoothly without any real disruption whatsoever yeah i mean i yeah i just i it's but like what do you do what do you cut like like the, the um i well, like cut obviously... the Joseph stuff unless you're going to actually do something with it would be my immediate note. Which stuff? Like my Sorry. immediate note would be either you pay off the Joseph stuff or you cut it. Sorry. Oh yeah. I th- I think for for a character though, like like this movie could have been about somebody who discovers a um mission in their life to be a do-gooder. And that the, the and that the movie is kind of um about it and culminates in 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 like a, a big kind of um every, everything ending up fine and the fact that it doesn't kind of yeah. is is is, is part of part of that's part, that's my counterpoint is though that the movie doesn't hammer home enough that it doesn't it's just like a funny thing that now two women in this place are being harassed by this asshole mm. yeah yeah you so know, but but it's that she it, that isn't the answer 
to her like um, the her, question of what is her life about her existential ennui her yeah, life yeah. Crisis or, yeah yeah and and that you have to kind of like have those kind of you have to have examples of it like succeeding but also um examples of it of it, of 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 it failing to kind of like get to get to the conclusion that you're looking to get to right you you do I, but I, I think the film the film doesn't lean hard enough into the failing of it again i think like for me what the movie's missing is a point where a character points out how like all well, that's the what th- the glassman does, isn't it? No, no. The glassman says because the glassman sees all of the things that she's yeah he doing. does, and his response is like you're being so selfless, you're worrying about these other people instead of worrying about yourself. Instead of saying you really shouldn't be doing what you're doing, like the 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 bit where she grabs the blind man and forces him across the road and re and like narrates the world around to him like incredibly quickly rapid fire right he has no idea who this oh, for person crying out loud Darren. <laughs> okay, okay. this is such shite <laughs> what is wrong with you no but i generally i think it is a, i think that's a joke i think it's literally it's because then she leaves him at the metro she's like i'm gonna leave you here i think it is like and he ascends yeah i think it is just like a hilarious show it's like she she's doing good but at the same time she's just left him somewhere random now i think the movie knows yeah. that and it thinks it's like yeah. like funny that she's she's being misguided in her attempts to help people but like it doesn't always help like um but but that like it's poor still like man. That poor, I know. he was he was cl- <laughs> he was clearly distressed <laughs> um, but i and he died immediately <laughs> yeah he had a massive heart attack from shock um, yeah okay yeah. but you surely you see some of my point here like it's the bit where she as 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 shiva said it's the bit where she rings the phone and the guy goes in and finds this box of his childhood belongings and that like, made me really? cry oh, yes. okay i'm sorry i'm not going to say because it was so mean because it was so mean you made you cry okay that's a mischaracterization why, why of, oh, you know it's actually the bit with the marbles him. like uh, i feel like that has to have happened to someone that was so specific and like felt like a memory that now i've had like <laughs> like 100 percent. Oh. remember that day you won yeah. all the marbles shiva worst day of my life <laughs> <laughs> I remember as a child having a memory of a toy that I had and I was kind of like I haven't seen that toy in a very long time and then I was and then I started to associate all of the kind of toys that I hadn't seen in a very long time and you have this feeling of losing childhood when you're kind of like reminded of it mm. it being this thing that exists in the past and yeah, I, 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 I found that very kind of like I cried when he cried. basically. Yeah, I do think that is the sweetest part like that, like and she sees how effective, like affecting that is and how it it started something beautiful. And like he's going to reconnect with his daughter and meet his grandchild. And so yeah. I think every one of her actions from then on doesn't necessarily get the same thing. She's just chasing a feeling that she can't actually reinvent because it's it doesn't always work out that way or it can initially and then it goes wrong for her. And yeah, see, and, like that that's my thing is that's, that's like, what if that guy is Joseph? Like, what if, like, what if that guy who's like, I haven't talked to my daughter in years and I haven't seen my grandson. And it turns out that it's because he's a huge asshole. Um, and it turns out that well, it's because he, he is, him being he, there would have ruined their lives. He is a huge <laughs> asshole. But, but the, 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 re, the reason he is is because he's dissociated from his emotions. He's had like the, the kind of some sort of 
childhood traumas that the marbles are meant to kind of uh, represent and that he has been a, a deadbeat and he's reminded of what it's like to be a child and mm. to, to 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 be um um ob- ob- obsessed the way that he, he's like i i, I okay okay i'm, I'm gonna I put, I, I, okay i'm sorry I'm gonna put my hand, i just i don't like meddling i'm not i don't like meddling i don't like people who meddle you are afraid of anomaly <laughs> yes uh, coming into my life coming into your like, life i am absolutely terrified that's an anomaly that is will the long and the short of it isn't that, it that is like i have nightmares that i become like a project for quote unquote an amily whoever <laughs> it happens to be he or yeah she. That like Where do, do, that one day Andrew decides spontaneously that he's going to remind me of a bunch of stuff from my childhood bedroom or something, or break into my house and start oh swapping my like my slippers with smaller shoes. Like, yeah, that that there that there is kind of like this um, romantic interest comes into your life, but she's kind of out there and and sort of inaccessible and mysterious. And, has a crazy pixie cut. Ha- has... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently they had to cut Tato's hair. She had longer hair. They had to cut it. You would the call the police, wouldn't you, immediately? <laughs> <laughs> I love that I'm like, I'm going to change the topic. And I was like, no, get back on the case here. You, you would send that woman to prison for years and she would deserve it. Um, I love, by the way, that you immediately... And so then I sent her to prison. Yes. <laughs> and children, that is the important lesson here. If anyone ever tries to meddle with your life. I love, by the way, that you assumed it was a romantic thing. But I think that... I, I just... I like the idea of respecting the idea that people have their own lives and their own choices and can make their own decisions about what is best for them within the confines of the law. Like, I... I <laughs> I do not abide meddling. I, really, <laughs> I know that this makes me sound like the coolest person in the history of the planet. I'm well aware of that. But I, I yeah. don't I don't like meddling. See, I don't think that the movie supports it either. I think like maybe like she gives back the toy box. She hasn't actually really done anything except for find the guy and give it back to him. But like in every other case, then she is fully meddling. Like she's doing things right. that like neither joseph or georgette they didn't have any interest in each other until she drummed it up and then she stuck like she broke into that guy's house like all the other bits she's fully changing history like it's none of that is real forrest gump yeah yeah exactly i I have to she's forrest gumping them (laughs) i have she's forrest gumping (laughs) i have to support meddling my 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 marriage is the product of meddling Okay. Okay. We we, <laughs> we 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 did not know each other, and then two sisters decided to to. I don't to... think you're doing this in trailer voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> One day, two sisters yeah. <laughs> decided to fix this up together. Yeah. Um, okay. they, they 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 were told. Don't meddle in people's lives. It will never end well. I am glad that it worked out very well for you. I am glad that neither of you... Were you told that she was interested in you? And then you were told that she was... Like, both vice versa. You were told that you're interested in each other. And then you fell in love. Is that what happened? (laughs) (laughs) She was working at the local tobacco. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love, by the way, that the French have an entire word for a shop that sells like nicotine so do we yeah and i know tobacconist i know but like in still in common usage though the tobacco is still in common usage 
Yeah, I think. Yeah, I feel like at the time we also had Tobacconist, and there there was the the that movie with John Candy about the Jamaican Tobacconist. Uh, Cool Runnings. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Well played, Andrew. Oh my god. Yes. (laughs) All right. Um, So I guess that's the inappropriate smoking this episode. Um, Is there anything you want to talk about, Andrew, with regards to this movie we haven't talked about already? Um, oh, I do like uh, Lucianne's uh, care for the endives and the the the, the various um, vegetables. But the the um, uh, that's the, a man the, the, taking the, taking interest in like his specific fiefdom, yeah, respecting the boundaries of his work and his role, absolutely not intruding into anybody's. Sp- I I think that's I love that. That's a really nice part in the movie. There is some food waste though with the with the artichoke. Mm. Yes, that um, they use as a prop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we cannot forgive that. <laughs> no, no, we cannot. I, um, although that is the part of the artichoke that is discarded. Presumably the heart, like, was removed and consumed. <laughs> um, <laughs> how romantic, Andrew, how romantic. Uh, should note, by the way, that it uh, it had a tremendous effect on, like, French pop culture. Uh, there was a huge influx of American and Japanese tourists uh, to the cafe that served as the two windmills. I have oh. been. Have you? It's, yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, kind of, you know, it's 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 just a cafe. You're kind of like, are you sure this is the place? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the cafe from Heat, where it's just like, yeah, this is just yeah. a cafe. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but there's one table that's always really busy. <laughs> yeah, I think th- there there were like details about it. Which had changed, like for example, the 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 I I think that the back wasn't there or something mm. like that. Yeah, nobody having sex uh, in the bathroom. I don't know if <laughs> that's <the laughs> no, medical correctness no, yeah. just gone gone wild. I'll have what she's having. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But apparently, these days, uh, as of like a couple of months after the movie's release, the French press took to referring to quote joyful, lighthearted, and happy naive situations unquote as Le Emily Poulain. I like that. So it's like if you are enjoying a joyful, lighthearted, and happily naive situation, you are having an Emily Poulain. Oh my God. Um, and apparently, Liberation uh, labeled Jean Paul Gaultier's summer 2002 collection a mix of Emily Poulain and French Can Can. So it again, it is a movie that had a massive, massive cultural footprint. Who can forget <laughs> Jean Paul Gaultier 2002 fashion show? I mean, they did say it was Emily Poulain meets French Can Can, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, but also, there was a Broadway musical uh, in 2016, starring Philippa Sue, the star of Hamilton as well. Oh. It did not garner great reviews, and Junet has said that basically mm. he just took the licensing money for it and donated it to charity. Okay. Which seems like a cool, cool thing to do, but does suggest of how much he thought of yeah. the production. Oh my it's like, well, charity like back end ju- points. It's like, no, I'll just take the money up front and give it to charity. Yeah. Charities just meddling people's lives, though, don't they? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> We're not letting that one go, I see. Uh, Shiva, is there anything else you want to talk about with uh, Amelie um, that you want to discuss that we haven't talked about already? Any any scenes, any beats, any themes? I guess... Darren wants a market-based solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I guess sorry. I don't really have anything specific to say about it, but it is interesting that it all um, hinges on like the death of Lady Diana, Princess Diana. 
um so yeah. which is just yeah. a, a kind of strange part of it like <laughs> there's no need for it really <laughs> right <laughs> but it's 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 again it's it's not Again, reminds me of the whole um, like Forrest Gump thing, where it's it's just one incident, but it anchors you so firmly in a time and a place. Yeah, like that's that, true. That's the thing where this, <sighs> I, 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 this Lady really die, makes it sound Lady like D, Lady D Renoir. <laughs> this makes it sound sound like I hate or dislike the movie more than I do. But I'm watching it and I'm thinking, what? Why is it shot through a filtered green and yellow lens? Why is why does pa- like Part of me wonders if one of the reasons why I dislike this movie so much is because, like, I, at that time, I was, well, my family was holidaying in Paris during Ooh. the summers. But no, <laughs> during the summers, we would go to, to Paris and we'd go to France. We used to love it. Um, and we would go to Montmartre. And Montmartre does not look like that. Montmartre does not feel like that. That is not what Montmartre is. Mm. Um, I remember one time... When I was like eight years old, we got off the tour bus to the Basilique de Sacré-Cœur at the wrong part of Montmartre and having to walk through the red light district with my mortified parents, stopping every once in a while to acknowledge that there was, in fact, a grocer on the corner and there was a McDonald's across the way as well. But like, I I just, it, I don't know why it looks like The Matrix or Seven <laughs> as opposed to like anything else yeah um i i just i don't i i don't get it but yeah the lady dinosaur do you think it's a movie that looks bad i don't think it looks bad in fact like the cinematographers talked about how and by the way andrew you'll be pleased to hear that he did do the cinematography on harry potter and the half-blood prince um <laughs> but he's talked about yeah he's he's worked in hollywood and he's talked about how so much of his meet or so many of his meetings in hollywood are can't you just do what you did on amelie mm. Can't you just make yeah. the movie look like Amelie? Which again is is back to Shiva's point of this being a quietly hugely influential mm. movie. Um, I well, like it is uh, beautiful to look at. There's there, there's like a lot of it is quite iconic, isn't it? Yes. So striking. Yes, it yeah, I, I don't again. Yeah, it is striking. It's that postcard thing I keep coming back to, where it looks like a collection of postcards more than a movie to me. Mm. I know that's mean, and I. I I I feel like I'm being grouchy. I apologize. I'm being very grouchy. no, no, no. Like, Didn't like, like Moulin Rouge came out around the same time. Yeah, Moulin Rouge. Like it kind of it has the kind of similar aesthetic in a way where it's all kind of yeah. um heightened, colorful Paris kind of vibes. But I remember the colors in that being more vivid, mm. like a lot more red. Yeah. Obviously, the Moulin Rouge being red and stuff like that. But it it feeling more. Oh, kind that's of, again, why it's called that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, you see i used to spend my i used to summer in paris um but but like yeah no it just it it it. i like i think of the vivid color of like a baz Luhrmann film and i think of this and this this feels weirdly nostalgia e but it's like it's released in 2001 and it's as you said it's nostalgia e for 1997 mm. it's like remember where you were when princess diana died like it's like that is the cultural moment that will define us i it's very i i, I that's the part i wrap my head where around where were like, you there what where were you i don't remember i was probably summering in paris <laughs> um, <laughs> it was august right um i'm not sure well, i i i was in my oh do you um, remember do you actually yeah remember? my aunt and uncle uh house in Kilisandra oh, in, okay. in, wow. in Cavan. I was being made boxy. Oh. 
Sorry, I shouldn't have been so flippant. I apologize for that. No, no, no. Um, Shiva, do you remember where you were? <laughs> I was two years old, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I was also in nappies, but it, but I was eleven. <laughs> oh, 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 all right. Um, all right. I think that then about wraps it up. Unless anything else you want to talk about. So, Andrew, anything else jumping out at you? Uh, no, 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 nothing else from me. All right. What we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something, something they're enjoying at the moment. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings you joy at this moment in time. And to give Shiva a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, so I'll recommend a few things that are on Disney Plus. Um, shows that I haven't seen all of, but that I've enjoyed um, watching what parts of them I've seen. Um, I don't know. Is that, it's kind of cheating. I did recently recommend a book that I had only half finished. <laughs> um, it's but all I, lies. Andrew. Yeah, all exactly. Lies. I'm going to recommend Atlanta. Um, and, have you not finished that? Um, I have not. It's very good. Well, La- then I will, I'll vouch for the rest of Atlanta. Last Man on Earth is also on, on Disney Plus. It's quite good. I have not watched that. Um, do watch it. It's, it, it, it's, it's great. It's com- I, I think like Will Forte is um, uh, uh, terrific. I, I, I want him to be in lots of stuff. Um, have you watched I Think You Should Leave? That's on Netflix at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the third, third That's season. That's what I was going to recommend. Ah! <laughs> oh, okay, oh, sorry. <laughs> And aside from that, the, the, we st- t- talked about Lady Di, um, Oh Hello, the podcast. It's um, uh, John Mulaney uh, and Nick Kroll. John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. Um, they, during, I think it was during the pandemic, they did a podcast about uh, Lady Di and finally, like, you know, figuring out what happened. <laughs> and, uh, it is... It, it, it it is um like um as hilarious as you would think if you find that kind of thing funny. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite pieces of trivia is that um there was a Marvel comic that was published in like ninety eight ninety nine called um, Ecstatic. It was written by a very left wing British writer, and it was about a, the a mutant spin off team of the X Men, and uh, his final arc on the comic, and it will become very clear in a moment why it was his final arc on the comic. Uh, was based around the conceit of the reveal that Lady Diana would be joining the team as a mutant whose superpower was that the ability to be famous. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> oh my god! And yeah, it turns out that the um, turns out that the British press um, and the royal family were were not necessarily best pleased with that uh, storytelling development. So, and this is something I love. Not only were the writer and artist fired from the book very very quickly afterwards but the issues were very promptly recolored so that the woman who looks uncannily like princess diana is now the fictional princess henrietta who has short brown hair so she couldn't possibly be lady diana <laughs> couldn't possibly no no no, no. <laughs> oh couldn't my god possibly be lady diana. i love that uh, the, yeah. the superpower is being famous oh my god <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they, the arc was literally titled "Back from the Dead," um, but yeah. it, 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 that, I, I I think the, the podcast kind of makes fun yeah. of that like obsession that people have with 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 these uh, 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 kind of stories. That that uh, like the uh, during Princess Diana's life, like all of the interest 
um in her made her life appreciably worse yeah um uh, and and her family yeah like the so the the, the i mean the, harry's talked quite candidly about that exactly like again yeah. very openly like so, I, I know <laughs> i know the royal family you know has its issues and there are very serious structural criticisms we leveled at it but those are kids and it's like yeah having your childhood defined by that mm. like having your childhood defined by the obsession with a woman who ultimately didn't want to be part of it yeah um anyway so it's two, 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 two more jerks obsessing about <laughs> <laughs> Princess Diana. So I'll, rec- I'll, 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 I'll recommend that it's um, oh hello the 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 podcast. All right, and Shiva, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, well, other than I think you should leave. I've only started the um, the third season came out yesterday as at time of taping. <laughs> um, so I've only watched the first episode, but it's good stuff. It's a very fun, like kind of a comedians uh comedy show really like it's just it's really out there and fun um also there's a movie on disney plus called rye lane it was the surprise film at diff this year um and it's just this like lovely rom-com set in london and it's really fresh and fun and uh yeah i had an absolute ball at it so i would really recommend that if anyone just wants like a fun light film excellent fantastic what what time is this coming out when uh, this will probably be going out in like late August. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oops. Well, um, <laughs> the, the <laughs> problem is that there are too many movies making the list, including like Into uh, the Spider Verse, Indiana Jones, if, and The Flash. If you, um, all of which, you know, just put our conversation about Amelie in context. But anyway, sorry. If you live in Nuad, Agwen, Bethesda, Gwynedd, in presumably Wales. Um, you can go see Jan Tiersen, um, who, 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 who was in Ireland in June. Oh, okay. <laughs> the people here, a time of, uh, we can all go see Jan Tiersen nice. together. Uh, yeah. So in terms of recommendations <laughs> from myself, in terms of French cinema, I uh, would recommend watching the Three Colors trilogy if you have not already. In terms of European cinema, The Lies of Others, which is a movie that we are going to cover at some point on the podcast. Amazing. And I'm going to ask her to plug herself in a moment, but um, I saw Shiva's show as a coffee kid there at the Dublin Fringe. Uh, it was legitimately great. So I don't know if that is coming back or if there's any plans to bring that back or to tour it or anything like that. But if it is... Uh, go see well, that's funny you should say that this comes out the end of August because uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well I yes. will be in Edinburgh for the entire month of August with Coffee Kids so it's too late if you're listening to this now but <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll, we'll, we'll rejig the schedule this is coming out at the end of oh, July class. so next <laughs> yeah. month yeah so from the 3rd <laughs> to the 27th of August I'll be doing Coffee Kid every day except for the 14th at Underbelly Cowgate so uh, get your tickets. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. We, we've uh, rejigged the script a bit. It's now a full hour instead of 45 minutes. And yeah, it's full of lots of new fun stuff. Well, I feel robbed. Sorry? I feel robbed. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to come to Edinburgh. <laughs> I, yeah. 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 The, only, the only way that episode will get bumped is if Oppenheimer somehow gets into the... And that is never going to happen. No, to be fair, Sorry. the only way that this episode gets bumped is if both Oppenheimer and, and Barbie... Barbie. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stranger Things no. have happened. That's a pretty good duo, right? Like, so... Yeah. Uh, Best movie weekend ever, possibly. Yeah. Um, but yes, okay, so that is that is where listeners yes. can find you. Are you up to anything else? Um, just doing stand-up and everything around Dublin. So uh, if you find me on social media, it's all up there. So it's just my name, Shiva McQuinn, on Instagram. And you'll find everything there. 
Perfect. And Excellent. we'll do links in the show notes as well. Uh, we'll be back uh, now. <laughs> okay. So doing the maths, assuming the flash doesn't come in, we can release this in late June, which means in two weeks' time, we'll be back with the fantastic Tony Black talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Less of an Indiana summer, more of an Independence Day, if you will. Um, so yeah, yeah, check us out then. Um, we'll be covering the Dial of Destiny. We've already covered uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade, along with the Crystal Skull. People seem to like those, so we're going to do Dial of Destiny, even if it doesn't come in, just to complete the set. Uh, in the meantime... Thank you so much, Shiva. Uh, it has been an absolute delight. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you so much, Shiva. Thank you.